Well, after 30 weeks of straight podcasting, I needed a break. I needed a break from everything. My family and I took an excellent vacation, more of a staycation, a lot of very nice things to see and do here in the Midwest, and it was much needed. And I tell you what, rest for the body is very important, but I tell you what's even more important, it is rest for the soul. And I was able to rest my soul, rest my spirit, and come back refreshed. Something that I was very exciting about was about five days into the vacation, I missed Spirit Signal. And I was so tempted while I was driving or down by the lake or something just to get out just the the iPhone and record just a little simple MP3 wherever I was. I thought about doing it. Matter of fact, I started to record and I thought, you know what? No, I need to rest. I need to take a break. But podcasting is relaxing for me. Podcasting really is an escape for me. And uh, I've really enjoyed everything that we've accomplished this year. And I want to say thank you so much to uh, our loyal listeners. Because podcasting is the future. And with the help of your loyal listenership, I will have a future in it. I was really excited to get uh, a lot of messages, uh, people that have missed the show uh, for the past few weeks. So that's how we know we're doing something good. So we're back and we're ready to go. You know, I, c- I come back to the real world and what do I find? I find Luke 21 even more, more intensified. There's false messiahs. There's wars. There's commotion. There's the conflict of nations, earthquakes, famines, pestilences. Sights and signs in the heavens, Christian persecution, Christians betrayed by friends, and yes, family, Christian hatred everywhere, talks and threats of the desolation of Jerusalem, there's great signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, distress of nations, perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, but one day Messiah is going to come in the clouds. So what do we do when all of these things are happening? Do we panic? No. Do we uh, run and hide? Well, if it's unavoidable, yes. But in all reality, the end of times is a distress for the world, but it's really something for us to look forward to. Jesus told us that during all of these things, before the great tribulation comes, all of these signs that will happen, he said, not a hair on your head will be lost. Some have, some have criticized that, saying, see, so many preachers have gone bald. Therefore, the word of God is of no effect. God has broken his promises. A lot of preachers have gone bald. <laughs> well, this has nothing to do with your hair loss, my friend. Uh, get, get, a, get a decent toupee if you, if you, uh, if you must. I, I kind of like the look if you're, gonna, if you're going bald, man. Uh, go on a diet, eat nothing but chicken, lift weights, beef up, and shave your head and get a tan. That's a great look on a lot of guys. But Jesus is not talking about hair loss in that scripture in Luke 21. What he's really saying is, you will be saved for all eternity. And I would like to think that there will be no bald heads in heaven, but rather every guy, every woman will have a nice full head of hair. No more epic comb-overs, no more epic comb-outs, no planted hair, no toupees, none of that stuff. We'll all have beautiful, heavenly, glorified hair. It's going to be fantastic. Jesus also said, by patience, you possess your souls. We need patience in this day and time. Be patient with the mask. Be patient with social distancing. Be patient with all of these regulations. Do what you got to do. Keep your cool. 
because as mysteriously as COVID-19 arrived, it is mysteriously leaving and it will be forgotten. Jesus also said, look up for your redemption draws nigh. Keep looking at the sky. I did that on my vacation. I looked at the sky a lot. It's been a long time since I just looked at clouds, looked at stars, just looked at the sky. And I tell you what, when you look at the sky, it's amazing how quickly you'll forget about your problems. Maybe you need to ditch your therapist and start looking at the sky. Maybe you need to get off the drugs and start looking at the sky. Stop smoking pot. Stop looking at porn and start looking at God-created skies. And that's the therapy that you need. That's all I have to say. Goodbye for now. I'm just kidding. Uh, Luke 21, watch and pray. Watch and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape these things and stand before the Son of Man. That's the pre-tribulation rapture. That's what we got to do. Watch and pray. Be ready for the coming of the Lord. He's coming in a cloud. He's coming to take us up into heaven and then judge the world and all those who are left behind. So remember these things during all the commotion, all of the pestilence, the famines you hear about, the earthquakes, all of the Christian hatred. Ugh. Are we living in an age of hate or what? We are a hated people. But the more the world hates you, the more the Lord loves you. So it's a win-win for all of us. See, I remember, not a hair of your head will be lost. By patience, you will possess your souls. Keep looking up. That's the sign of your redemptions coming near. And watch and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all of these things and stand before the Son of Man. You're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. This is Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason, a God, Bible, and Church podcast, bringing you a message of hope and of faith and of depth and of insight here in the year of our Lord, 2020. SSWJG is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other podcasting platforms. Uh, for how you can follow me and contact me, reference your episode notes, and I'd be glad to hear from you. COVID-19. In the beginning of COVID-19, in the wake of it, I was very distressed. I thought perhaps this is the end. The end is now. But I quickly came to the understanding that the end is not now, but it is near. But I thought this is the Black Plague. This is going to wipe out America. This is going to wipe out the world. This, this is the end of much of human existence. And I was very distressed. I thought the churches are never going to open their doors ever again. This is it. Our last service to gather together here in Kansas City, Missouri, was on Sunday, March 15th. Evangelist Tyler Sullivan was preaching to us. That entire week, uh, my heart was so heavy. I was very melancholy. I couldn't think. I couldn't talk. I was just in a state of suspended animation. But on Sunday, March 22nd, 2020, it would have been the first Sunday that our church would have just recorded a live worship service like many churches did. That Sunday, I was awakened by the angel of the Lord tapping my shoulder. And I looked up and the word of the Lord came to me saying, Some will die, most will live. After 60 days, the church shall regather, followed by 60 days of slowly reopening, and thereafter 60 days of recovery. There will be three pandemics. Some will say four. And then the vision ended. I told this vision to my father and a few other ministers in our local church. And very shortly thereafter, I told the uh, entire church on social media and in person. And I've also spoken about this in past episodes. This word of the Lord, I could not understand and interpret it right then and there. But I felt it was direct. I didn't think there was any dark sayings in this. 
I didn't feel like there was any allegory in this. I felt like it was an actual direct prophecy. And I've observed this through the years. Anytime the Lord gives me a word concerning the church, a minister, a saint, somebody like that, the prophecy is always very direct. But when it comes to words for America, words for the world, words for society in general, it's always in some sort of dark saying. But yes, this vision, this word, it was direct. And it was fulfilled. Our last Sunday together together was March 15th. Beginning Monday, March 16th, through Thursday, May 14th, that was the 60 days of quarantined, and it was fulfilled. Then Sunday, May 17th, 2020, the Live Church of Kansas City, Missouri, regathered on site. That's what happened after 60 days. The church regathered. And then came the days of slowly reopening, 60 days of slowly reopening. That occurred from Monday, May 18th to Thursday, July 16th. You know what's really interesting? I've talked to a lot of uh, other pastors here in the Midwest in the area, and pretty much that same schedule is what they followed. A lot of them, their last Sunday was March 15th, and a lot of them regathered as well. Uh, towards the the middle or the end of May, and some of them in the beginning of June. Yeah, that's what happened. 60 days of quarantine were fulfilled here in our local church, March 16th through Thursday, May 14th, and we regathered Sunday, May 17th. And then we've done the slowly reopening. About 70% of our church has regathered during this time, uh, regathered during that time. Now we're in the days of recovery which began Monday, July 20th, and will end on September 17th. I've thought about what is to come after that. What is to come after that? I had a sense just looking at the CDC numbers and listening to the news, and, and, I, and I get it, it's propaganda, you got to sell news, and it's interesting, and I'm glad they do that. Otherwise, it would be boring, and I would never listen to the news or watch the news. But I just kind of got the sense and the feeling that COVID-19 was a little bit overhyped. And you know what? It should be. Sicknesses like that should be overhyped. We should be very aware of it. We should do everything that we can uh, to, to stop it. I don't want to die. I don't want any of my friends and family to die. You know, sadly, though, you remember the, the first word that the, the, the Lord said to me was, some will die. Some will die. And sadly, that has happened. Some have died. But thankfully... Most will live. I'm here to talk to you today about what befalls this fall. What befalls this fall? What are the things that are going to happen to us here in the next few months? Some of these things the Lord has directly told me. Some of these things, it's just kind of what I feel, kind of what I see. And based upon other voices that I trust that, that have spoken of, of things to come. This is kind of the conclusions that I draw of things that we can expect, things that we need to pray about, things that we need to plan for this fall. What, what I think is going to happen this fall is COVID-19 is going to be slowly forgotten. It's going to be slowly forgotten by the spring of next year. I, I really think the masks are going to go away, not a whole lot of social distancing. I can't say people are going to be ready to shake hands and, and hug each other's necks, although some people out there are just proving that they, they, they are exempt from catching COVID-19, and you see them practically licking the doorknobs on Chinese restaurants. I, I don't understand that. Uh, I've done everything I can to try to not spread this disease. Somebody else could give it to me, or I could have COVID, and I don't want to give it to somebody else. I've done everything I could. 
I believed in stopping this plague. I've never thought for one instance this entire year this was a a conspiracy by the government to shut the church down, to shut business down, and to rebuild it back up uh, with the new world order, although that day is coming. And there are forces out there that have tried to do this, but it's just not time. The church is still here. According to Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians, the church is what hinders the wicked one from arising before his time. So that's why the church stays strong. Praise God. So, But uh, if this fall, COVID-19 is going to begin to begun to be forgotten. I think uh, President Trump, Vice President Mike Pence, uh, it's going to be a re-election. Trump is going to be re-elected in the year 2020. I think our law enforcement will then be strengthened, and I think there's going to be a major retaliation and victory against the rioters. Because I think what's really been going on here is our law enforcement, our police, have turned the other cheek with uh, the shootings that have happened, that everybody saw on social media, how awful they are, especially uh, Officer Derek Chauvin uh, of the Minneapolis uh, Police Department in the uh, horrific death of George Floyd. I'm on record for calling that murder based upon what what we saw on those cameras. It certainly looks like that, but that, of course, will let uh, the, the judge and the authorities that be uh, decide decide that. You know, we saw the body cams. It it's, it's really interesting. There's an angle there that we haven't seen. You know, it's something to me uh, uh, about that. And, of course, this, this is all debatable. This, this is all debatable. The police officers let some of the other men in that car go free. They let the other men in that car go free. You want to know why? They didn't resist. They complied. They answered the officers' direct questions with direct answers. <laughs> And they made gestures that made the officers suspicious of George Floyd. So that is something uh, definitely that you want to consider in all of this. But I believe that our law enforcement, they have turned the other cheek. And they have let uh, those who have felt that an injustice was done and the, the outcry for this, they, they just let it happen as a way to turn the other cheek and to let people have a voice. But enough's enough. It has gone way too far, and this is no longer about... Uh, honoring uh, the death of, uh, of a man. This is not about any of that. This is about a hostile takeover and to establish uh, little small pockets of the socialist United States of America and even some it's full-blown naked communism. Yes, it is out there, but there's going to be a retaliation and that is going to be shut down. I believe that uh, when all this happens, there is going to be a major rise of false witness. False witness, yeah. False witness accusing God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, and the Church of the Living God of racism. A major, major push is going to be done, and it's already there, but it's going to be even greater. That God is racist, the Bible is racist, and the Church is racist. Let me tell you this. Racism is a sin. I believe it is. You, to hate somebody because of their ethnicity is to hate what God created. You can't do that and please the Lord. Uh, you just cannot do that. You cannot hate an ethnicity uh, created by God. And I don't, I don't know anybody who does this. I, I, don't, I don't see that. I'm not that way. I don't have friends that way. I know it does exist. It's kind of hard for many of us to fathom just because it's, you know, I think we're just so far removed from that as, as a country and as a world. But, but it does exist. It is out there. A racism, a systemic racism, all of that, it's very difficult to prove and I think very difficult to solve. And I think the greatest answer for this is to continue to talk about it 
and don't get caught up in the middle of that. Love everybody. Love everybody. Do not treat anybody with partiality, but be completely fair. But I tell you what's an even greater sin than racism. It is false witness. Oh, yeah. You look at the Ten Commandments, the foundational principles of what sin is, and from there all sins come from. You know what's in there? Thou shalt not bear false witness. Racism, thou shalt not be racist, is not in the Ten Commandments. It's in other places in the Bible. The things that God hates are in the Ten Commandments, and one of those is false witnesses. You want to get on God's bad side, you want to cause a lot of trouble for yourself in the eyes of the Lord, start bearing false witness. So keep that in mind. If you're going to accuse a church, accuse God, accuse the Bible of being racist, you better have concrete evidence Otherwise, you are going to be labeled as the false witness, and you will be judged at the appointed time, so don't do it. Also, what befalls us this fall is the exposure of hypocrisy and corruption in high places. Pastor Jason Sisko put out a prophecy about this. He sees it too. There is going to be major, major exposure in high places of the hypocrisy and the corruption of horrible crimes, horrible sins, and when that happens... Don't let it discourage you. Don't let it cause you to give up on God. Don't let it cause you to give up on this world. Don't let it cause you to give up on the United States of America or wherever you're from when hypocrisy comes out. Because hypocrisy is all around us. And Jesus taught us some of his foundational teachings. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you cannot get into the kingdom of God. You know what Jesus says to us when you see hypocrisy? Don't let it discourage you, but rather let it motivate you to want to serve the God, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, to serve the true God even more. You've got to let your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the hypocrites. So that's that's what's going to happen this fall. COVID-19 will begin to be forgotten. Trump will be reelected. Law enforcement, military will be strengthened. There will be a retaliation and victory over over all of the uh, those who have caused commotion, the rioters, all of that. There will be a strong push in our culture to uh, speak words of false witness against the, the church, against God, against the Bible of racism that's not there, doesn't exist. And there will be a major exposure of hypocrisy and corruption in high places in our government and in the church. There's been a lot of prophecy this year. You know, when you when you hear things like pestilence and stuff, oh man, they everybody comes out and starts uh, prophesying. Uh, you know, the Antichrist is here, the Beast is here, the Mark of the Beast is here, all of that. And you know, that's good. That that's a sign to me that people read their Bible. I can't say I always agree with that. It it uh, definitely causes vigilance, so that's always a good thing. And I, I try not to argue with people on uh, eschatology. Um, I have many friends that don't see it how I see it. And uh, many, many who just were, were just worlds apart concerning the end time. But we all get along because you know what? We only know in part and we prophesy in part. All of the Bible prophecy combined in the scriptures, if you were able to interpret it, everything 100% correctly, you only know a small portion of what is going to happen. Nobody out there knows exactly when and where and how everything will happen. We only know glimpses of it. We only know enough. There's going to be things happen that are not recorded in the Scripture and Bible prophecy, okay? So remember that. Stay humble about these things and teach it with all humility and reverence. Our main job is to warn people that everything that we know and see will end. 
and a new kingdom is coming, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got to be ready for that. Otherwise, you will spend eternity in hell. You will spend eternity in the lake of fire. There has been a uh, pastor of another denomination that I belong to by the name of Dana Coverstone out of Kentucky. That has been posting on a very regular basis uh, since June, I believe, videos of himself on his Facebook page, Facebook Live, through Facebook Live, of dreams that he has been having concerning what is going to happen this fall. Now, I've, I've watched uh, not a whole lot, but quite a bit of Dana Coverstone's videos. And from what I gather about uh, Pastor Coverstone, he is a good pastor. I, he cares for his people. He loves his saints. He is a good pastor. He's a good husband. He's a good father. He is a very humble man. He prays. That man prays. He reads scripture, and he is definitely a patriot. But I'm very concerned about the dreams that he has been having. Um, he states many times in all of his videos, wants it to make it clear that he is not a prophet. And I want to say, what are you, man? <laughs> uh, call it what it is. If you're saying God has given you dreams and you're predicting the future, you need to be saying that, yes, this is a prophetic word. But in all of his videos, he leaves so many outs for himself. And I just want to say a true prophet, a true dream from the Lord, a true word, a tongues and interpretation, a word of knowledge, whatever it may be, it never needs an out. It does not need an out. Matter of fact, when somebody leaves their word with an out, I check out. I write it off. Show me in the Bible where the prophets, whenever God would speak, there was be there would be an out. Nobody ever said, oh, I could be wrong. You know, imagine that Isaiah said, hey, a virgin would conceive, but oh, I may be wrong. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, just imagine that. That, that, is, that brings confusion. That brings confusion. And, uh, that, you know, I believe that's just code. That's just somebody like Dana Coverstone or anybody else, and so many other people do that, that are out there prophesying their dreams, their daydreams, their imaginations, uh, something they they thought of while the, while they were on the toilet the night before, I think it's code for what they're saying is this could just be a lucky guess on my end, <laughs> and if I'm right, it, you know I just chalk it up to luck. But no, God does not chalk anything up to luck. The Bible says that the word of God is like a sharp sword. It pierces through anything and everything and gets into our human nature. It gets into our soul. It gets into our mind. It pierces through our bone, our skin, our muscle, all of those things. The Word of God is concrete. The whole universe is held together by the Word of God. So don't ever give the Word of God with an out. Don't ever say I could be wrong. Because in doing that, you cheapen the Word of God. It is no wonder that so many people right now don't trust prophecy. And it's because of things like this. I don't think Dana Coverstone is sinister. I don't think he has an alternative motive. But I think he is worried that he might be wrong. I think he is worried that he might be wrong. If you've watched these videos, he had dreams of a fist punching a calendar in the months of September, October, and November. And he is predicting that during those months, it is going to be all-out mayhem. All-out 
chaos. COVID-19 is going to spike again. There is going to be all-out civil war, as it were, across the land. There is going to be a shortage of food. The supply chain is going to stop. It, as it were, he is prophesying the tribulation is coming upon us. But he's always leaving these outs. And anytime I watch his videos, I feel nothing but fear and confusion. There's really no solid interpretations for his dreams, but everybody keeps watching it. Everybody keeps watching it. And that first video he put out, he had over a million views. And I predicted, I said, sure enough, he's going to keep having his dreams and keep, keep posting those videos because he is enjoying that attention. What I think is going on here with Pastor Coverstone's dreams is I think it's a lot of it's a manifestation of his subconscious. I feel the fear and controversy that is there and the concerns for his own church and the ministers that he is associated with. What I think he is seeing there, the punching of that calendar, I think he's seeing the retaliation of the president and our law, our law enforcement, the National Guard, local police, all of that, against all of these uh, racist protesters. And you know what I also see? Extreme personal problems for Pastor Dana Coverstone during this time. Uh, that's what I see. You know what the good thing is? He has led us to pray. He has led many people to pray, and that's a good thing. So uh, I think Dana Coverstone needs to get a handle on his dreams and figure out what they mean before he posts them because a lot of it's just hearsay. And you can't be giving your prophecies and your dreams without. That is not biblical. That is not apostolic. That is not spiritual. That's all I have to say about it, at least for this episode. We'll see what happens. And if he is wrong, ugh, it's going to be bad for himself. He has caused a lot of problems for himself. That's why if you're going to say something is from God, it better be from God. The word of the Lord came to me on July 4th this year, 2020. I was actually, I was, we were actually loading the kids, my wife and I were loading the kids up in the car about to go over to a, 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 a party, another family in our church. Nathan Santomary, by the way, who's been on this podcast. Nathan Santomary preached an awesome message, uh, by the way, this, this week uh, to our church. Powerful message. So we were loading up about ready to go to his house, and the word of the Lord stopped me just as I put my son in the car, and the word of the Lord came to me and said, The plague is departing. A light remains in Washington. A mistress of the insurrection is cut off. They shall not turn the other cheek to the commotion. A fire shall consume the dwellings of low quality. They shall say farewell to the protection systems of Roosevelt. I went somewhere else in my spirit when that word came to me. When I came to myself, myself, my wife was calling out to me, Justin, Justin, hello, Justin, you ready to go? And so strong the word of the Lord came to me. And I think that is exactly what is going to happen this fall. COVID-19, and, and you notice there, God came to me in, in, by way of a dark saying. It was very cryptic. And he does this with words for America. I'll never forget July 4th, 2007. When I woke up that morning, 
I, I wasn't married yet. I was living in my parents' basement. And the word of the Lord, and when I woke up, I couldn't see anything. I was worried that I went blind. It was about 8 a.m. I could hear the sound of birds, the sound of activity throughout the neighborhood. You know, it's July 4th. People do a lot of fireworks here in, in, in South Kansas City. And uh, I thought, I've gone blind, but I could hear. The word of the Lord came to me and said, a darkness has come to the republic. And when that word came to me, all of a sudden, slowly, the light began to come on in my room. My eyes were slowly opened. I was puzzled, perplexed by what happened. I wrote it down. And later that week, I saw on, on TV, on a podium, the uh, candidates for the Democratic Party. Hillary Clinton was on there, some of the others, and there was a man. And the Pledge of Allegiance, or not the Pledge of Allegiance, but the National Anthem was being sung in that moment. And I saw all of them with their hand over their heart except one person. And that was Democratic presidential candidate Barack Hussein Obama. He would not salute the flag. And right then and there, that's when God said, that's the darkness I spoke to you of. There are a few types of people who will not honor the flag during the national anthem. Number one, of course, Jehovah's Witnesses, whatever. Number two, people that have just got some grievance against the country, a lot of bitterness and hatred in their heart. Okay, you got that. You also have a few uh, kooks out there who think it's idolatry. It's not. It's not. You're not worshiping a flag. You're rather referencing the country that God gave us. Number four, you may not know this, Muslims will not salute the flag. And I knew it right then and there. He is Muslim, and he is going to do everything that he can to pander to international political Islam. And boy, did he ever, among many other uh, horrible things. He was the darkness that came to the land. Then, July 4th, 2014 came, seven years later. I was married then, and I woke up on July 4th, and it wasn't darkness, but instead it was a bright light. I thought somebody was shining a spotlight in my eyes. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't see anything else but a bright light. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, a light has come to the republic. And I thought, what in the world could that be? You know, I went back in my past journals, back to 2011, and I wrote down in my journals about Donald Trump. And it was about the birther issue. You remember, that was a big deal. And I remember thinking, how is it that a billionaire out of New York with weird hair was able to get Obama to produce a birth certificate? How did that happen? All of the GOP, none of them could do it. Mitt Romney, choke artist Mitt Romney, none of them could do it. But somehow, Donald J. Trump got him to produce a birth certificate. He was the only one that got him to do it. And I thought, that is leadership right there. And I wrote it down, that is leadership, and he will make a great president someday. And when that happened in July 4th, 2014, I had a suspicion that's got to be Donald Trump. But during that time, he was saying, I don't know if I'll run, I don't know if I'll run. But then, yeah, it happened. June 
2015, he came down the escalator with Mrs. Trump and he announced his campaign. I remember when that happened. I was at a youth camp and I told other preachers, other youth pastors, what I felt and saw about Donald Trump being the next president. And oh, I was heavily criticized. Heavily criticized. And I just said it once, and I was heavily criticized, and I thought, it, I, love, I love Trump, but I ain't going to lose friends over him, so I kind of went silent. There was only one other uh, preacher from that that came to me and said, I'm with you, it's Trump, and it was Paul Marion. Shout out to Paul Marion. Yeah. And there, there was a few others out there, but I mean, everybody was for other people. But you watch those debates, I mean, Trump kept moving to- more towards the center of that stage, and all of these people... A part of the establishment started moving to the end. And I tell you what, Donald Trump made some of them look like uh, fourth grade boys on Ritalin. Yeah, Jeb Bush. I'm talking about him. I, I mean, it was just amazing. I could just see the favor of God upon him. And the favor of the Lord is still upon him. And the Lord, that's what he calls him in the spirit world. He is a light. And if that offends you, that offends you. I don't care. Keep listening some more and, and let it offend you some more. I don't care. But I feel Donald Trump is going to be re-elected. I, I really, really do. I really, really do. Okay? I think that is going to happen. And I think it's a good thing. I really do think it's a good thing. Obviously, the greatest kingdom ever, the greatest uh, nation ever, is the kingdom of God in heaven. That's what we're truly waiting on. But as Tom Barnes began to prophesy back in the 60s, God raised up America for three purposes. Number one, it was to finance world missions. It was to finance world missions. And this has happened. You, you go throughout the world in other countries and you see missionaries. Where are they from? America. Maybe a few here from Germany. Maybe a few here from Australia. But for the most part, it is America that has sent out missionaries. It is us. Yeah. So God wants to protect America and to keep America for that purpose. Secondly, it was to love and to befriend, to protect, to help and aid and to ally with the state of Israel. Harry S. Truman, President Truman, who's buried not far from me, was the first of the nations at the UN Council to recognize the state of Israel. And America is blessed for that. And we have done so many wonderful things to keep a great relationship with Israel, and we thank God for that. And you notice Obama was very anti-state of Israel, and so was Bush there at the end of it. Oh, yeah, they sure were. But President Trump has done everything, everything he can, to keep our relationship strong with the state of Israel, including moving our embassy to Jerusalem. And just the list goes on with all of those things. And number three, it is to stop nations who are full of Antichrist from arising before their time. And America has done that. We took down communism. We took down Nazism. We took down so many things, so many spirits that were trying to control the world and to set the stage for the beast to arise. God has used America to do those things. And uh, we've got to be electing leadership that wants to protect and do everything that it can to make sure those three things happen. And I believe Donald Trump has done a lot of things uh, to help those things. He got rid of the uh, that Johnson Amendment that muzzled the mouths of preachers in their pulpits. We can now speak freely if we want uh, in the pulpit, say whatever we want to say. Uh, I'm not certainly not going to do that. And I rarely ever will ever talk about politics here on this uh, podcast because do you want to hear a preacher talk about politics? Not really. But I talk about it as it, as it relates, I, I believe, to uh, the fulfillment of God's plan. 
the fulfillment of God's plan. Is Donald Trump a Christian? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't. But he he uh, does, he respects Christianity. He sees the values in it. I think he's a sinful man. I, I really do. And I hope a lot of his hypocrisy and corruption certainly doesn't uh, come out. And it may. It may. I'll probably still vote for him. Uh, I, I just think he does a lot of things uh, to help fulfill uh, the plan of God. The Lord is the one who sets up and takes down kings and all of that. But I, I think Trump is going to be reelected, all of those things. Uh, let, let, I want to talk to you about the changing of times and laws. That is an apocalyptic phrase that uh, the angel of the Lord spoke to Daniel about the things that would come to pass. Uh, and Daniel even experienced the changing of times and laws. And what that essentially means is there will be sinister forces out there that will manipulate times, which means culture. It means the seasons uh, that, that you live in. That's the times. It's, it's still an English word used primarily for newspapers and things like that, but it, it's a reflection of the culture. What is, popu- what is the opinion of the people? What is dialogued and how people are thinking? Times. And laws, of course, are uh, laws, uh, it's just what is concrete rules uh, that, that the land governs itself by, to protect its citizens, to keep law and order, all of that. So it's the changing of culture and the changing of laws happen at the end of days. And Daniel experienced this. Uh, the, the, the Medes and the Persian governors and the, and the uh, satraps, they manipulated the law to make Daniel's prayer to his God illegal. And, they, and anybody who prayed to, to the God of the Hebrews uh, would suffer the death penalty by being fed to the lions. And, you know, and, this, and this happened. It was a manipulation because of envy and jealousy against Daniel because God had elevated him. God had promoted them, so they wanted to make things that he did illegal, and that is prayer to his God. And you can't change or alter the laws of, of the Medes and the Persians, so uh, uh, the, the Persian king had to throw him into the pit of lions. He regretted that. He hated that. But uh, the da- uh, God closed the mouths of the lions. He put the lions on the Daniel's fast. No meat. Eh, eh. But then you see uh, Daniel uh, rescued, saved by the hand of the Lord, and then all of his enemies were fed to the lions. Uh, you know what's something? All of Daniel's prophecies, he got to experience them in typology in his book in one way or another. So he experienced the changing of times and laws. And that is something that the beast is going to do. Daniel 7.25, the beast will change times and laws. He will change the culture. He will change the rules of the land to make the church, to make the church what we do illegal. You have seen this with gay marriage. Oh, yeah. Yes, a lot of it is, you know, we want to have equality and we want to, you know, have free love. And, you know, all of just the hippie culture, you know, did a lot of that. You know, they took prayer out of, out of schools. They've legalized gay marriage. They forced gay marriage upon us. And you know why they're doing that? It is the changing of times and laws. They want to shut down the church because they know that the church is the greatest force to stop their beast that they want to come into power, to stop their wicked one who will give them uh, uh, complete freedom to do any sin that they want, including pedophilia, by the way. Can I say... Uh, it could, <laughs> I can't believe we're even having to have this conversation. There are people out there that are teaching that pedophilia is okay. And we knew this day was coming. And here it is. I mean, the LGBTQ community, thankfully there are some out there that are saying, no, we draw the line, no pedophilia. But there is a rise, a subculture in them that are saying there are no limits to sexuality. 
Let me tell you this. Pedophiles should never have civil rights because pedophilia is uncivil. They're taking it too far. But, oh, they're pushing it. It's coming. It was legal in the Roman Empire. Someday in a future episode, I'll, I'll talk about that. And Paul addresses it in some of his writings. Yeah, gay marriage. Gay marriage. If you don't do it, if you don't officiate a gay wedding, you are a hater and a breaker of the law. And they will imprison you. This is, this is in Canada. This is in other nations of the world. And it's in place and in part here in the church. And there's, there's ways you, uh, you can avoid that and get around it with your church bylaws and stuff like that. If you notice this, the church has never gotten in the way of gay marriage. Uh, yeah, there's a few kooks out there that have protested, but we follow what the law of God says. We dwell peaceably. And I'm never going to try to stop a gay wedding. I never am. But I believe in a book called the Bible, and it outlines what marriage is. And, you know, I'm not trying to stop gay adoption. I'd rather have two men adopt a baby than have that baby aborted. I'd want to dwell as peaceably as I can with the LGBTQ community. I don't want to throw them in jail, and I hope they don't want to throw me in jail. This is one of the blessed principles of the United States of America. But Jesus said it. There would be great hatred, and they hate us, and they want to shut us down. I don't know why. Christianity, the church, is the greatest force of good in the United States of America. But they keep changing those laws. They keep changing those times, and it's all about envy. And that's where I think a lot of this false narrative, this false witness of racism is coming. Yeah, they're going to try to shut us down because of racism that doesn't exist. Can I tell you this? Pentecost allowed black people and white people, Hispanic people, Latinos, all of that under the same roof to worship the Lord Jesus Christ before any church did, before businesses did. When all of those Jim Crow laws were in place, we preached, we taught, we sang songs about it, that the color line was washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. There is not a drop of racism in the Bible. And you know what? There is no racism in the church. Not that I can see. Maybe a few pockets of it here and there. And if they are, they'll let you know it. It's not there. It's not in God. It's not in the Bible. And it's not in his church. But somehow through the manipulation of times and laws, they're going to try to get their way. And you know what? When we're fed to the lions, God is going to close the mouths of the lions. And we're going to get out of this safe. In Jesus' name. I want you to think about this. This year, God has given us major signs, biblical signs, for America to repent and turn from their sins. Deuteronomy chapter 28, God warned Israel. He said, if you depart from these laws, I will send three things upon you. They're in Deuteronomy 28. Plagues, the sword, and dust storms. Yeah, plagues, sword, and dust storms. Those three things have happened here in 2020. It's a wake-up call from God. The plague has come. COVID-19, it came. The sword has come. This is riots, fires, commotions. It's there for us to see. And you know what? A dust storm came. That Saharan dust storm. You remember that? I mean, I saw it. It wasn't as severe as it's been in uh, years past. I don't think any of the crops were affected. But I could see it. You know, you, you woke up that morning. I mean, the sky changed color. The in, in the evening sky changed color. There was a dust storm. Those are signs from God. 
Yeah. Those are signs from God, and it's no way it's a coincidence. God is preparing us to be ready for his soon coming. Praise the Lord. Comet Neowise came. I saw a lot of pictures of it, talked to a few people that saw it. I didn't get to see it. I looked out one night after midweek service and thought I saw it up in the northern sky, but oh no, it was a plane. (laughs) And I was so disappointed. But yeah, it was there in the midst of all of this. No way that's a coincidence. Hurricane Laura came, destroyed uh, so much, namely in the city of Lake Charles, Louisiana. It did a lot of damage to a lot of good churches. Prayers and shout out to Pastor Jared Pugh, Pastor Aaron Lopez, Pastor Brent Keating. We love you. Uh, We're praying for you. And I know many of us have, have sent you some resources to help you out during this time. Jesus said these things would happen. The sea and the ra- and the waves would roar. Luke twenty one twenty five. You have all of these apocalyptic signs that the end is drawing near. All of these things: the sea and the waves roaring, plagues, the sword, dust storms, signs from the heaven, commotions, the changing of times and laws. It's a sign that the Lord is about ready to mount up on that cloud and come down and call up His church. And catch us away to be saved while the judgment happens. These things are befalling us this fall. It's not the end, but it's a sign that the end is near. And God has given us a little bit of space through our elected officials, through our economy, through our cultures, to prepare a white field for the harvest of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to be a part of it. Don't forget also what Jesus said at the end of Luke 21. He said, be careful that you don't be caught up with the cares of this world and in carousing and drunkenness. That has happened this year. I've noticed it. The people that have wanted to be spiritual, they've been spiritual this year. But the people that have have wanted to be carnal, they have been carnal. Oh, yeah. They fornicated. They sure did. They committed adultery. They got into drugs. They full-blown backslid. When these signs come, it truly reveals those of us who are serious about our walk with God, those of us who serve Him with a loyal heart. There's a lot of us. This COVID-19, it motivated us to pray and to fast and to read the Bible and to humble ourselves and to get right with the Lord. Those are the type of people, the faithful, that God is coming back for. In Jesus' name. I receive a lot of messages from our listeners, and I thank you for that. I read all of them. I can't say that I respond to all of them. Really, those those messages are not for me to respond directly to you uh, through social media and email, but rather they're indicators of where my listeners are in, as it relates to content that I like to produce. And so I don't read a lot of these letters uh, here here on this podcast. I mostly just uh, let it reflect in in my content that I that I talk about. But I uh, this this year I've I've picked the top three messages of people questions concerns and I've and I've put them here and I'm not going to read the name, but rather I'm just going to uh, read and paraphrase what they wrote. And if you're listening, you'll know exactly who you are because these three questions are very distinct. Uh, Number one, question from a listener. Hey, Brother Gleason, 
I was at a youth event some time ago that you preached, and I loved your ministry. I was wondering if you could please pray for me. I have been struggling in sin, and I am very tempted to move back into my father's house, who is not in church. I would really appreciate it if you could pray for me. Thank you. To that person that wrote this, I have been praying for you. Prayed for you this morning. My response to that, and I'm, I think there's a lot of people out there like that right now, a lot, a lot of teens, hyphen age, and, and maybe, maybe even my age. You're looking to move back in with one of your parents. I'm assuming your parents are divorced, and you're looking to move back in with your father or your mother that's not in church, and there's a lot of sin. Okay, My response to you, if you are moving back in with your dad because you have nowhere else to go, then you need to do it. I'd rather you be back in with your dad than out on the street or living with some random person. You know, family is family. Okay? If that's the reason, you have nowhere else to go, go ahead and do it. But if you're moving back into that house because you know of all the sin that is there, maybe there's porn, maybe there's pot, maybe there's this or that, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it because that is a place where you're going to have a lot of temptation. And unless you are really prayed up and really fasting, you're probably going to uh, succumb to that temptation. It, so- it sounds like you already are. You got to think about your soul. What's more important, being saved or having pleasure? You need to be saved. That is the greatest satisfaction. So uh, I, I just think it's wise to stay in the most godly environment that you can. Stay in the most godly environment that you can. And uh, I'm assuming you're a teenager. Hey, man, stay, stay as close as you can to the church. Stay as close as you can to God in your teenage years. Don't complicate your life. Because what you sow is what you reap. And if you sow to sin, you are going to reap, reap the wages of sin. So don't do it. So stay with your mom. Stay with your grandma, whoever you are. Stay in that godly, wholesome environment. I don't care if you have a curfew at 8 p.m. at night. Get home. Read your Bible. Watch some wholesome TV. Football is starting starting here soon. Root for the Kansas City Chiefs. Do whatever you got to do. Stay in church. Stay away from sin. Uh, protect the environment that you live in. Next question from one of our listeners. This brother says, I met my wife in a bar. She was backslidden, a backslidden Pentecostal, and we got married. And she wanted our marriage and our family to be godly, so she said, we've got to go back to church. We've got to go. And she wanted to go back to a Pentecostal church. He said, I grew up in a Reform-style church, so I was a little leery of it, but I went. He said, when I went, I experienced the full gospel, the Acts 2.38 message. And I got saved, and my wife prayed through, and things were going well. Going so well that our pastor promoted us in church leadership. Things were amazing. God was blessing. But now, my wife is backslidden. She is now back to her old ways. She's addicted to meth. And she is shacked up living with another man and I am now here living alone in my travel trailer and I feel like I'm never going to make it without my wife I will never make it if I have a divorce on my record please pray for me and share your wisdom with me this is my response brother if you wanted to divorce I would understand and I wouldn't try to stop you and I doubt your pastor would either because in that type of situation a divorce would be lawful and in some places, probably unavoidable. But it sounds like you don't. 
you want to forgive your wife, you want to reconcile, and God bless you for that. And if that's what you want to do, this is what I want to recommend to you, and I'm sure there's other people in, in the same situation like this. As a matter of fact, I know there are. I would keep your pastor in the loop on everything that goes on. Keep your pastor in the loop. Uh, just on a, it don't have to be day to day. Maybe once every week or two, you know. Just just let him know how you're doing, what's going on. Just keep him in the loop. He may not say anything, but you know, the day may come when he has a word from God based upon all of the facts that you've given him on on how you should how you should handle things. I would uh, pick one family member that you trust, maybe a brother, maybe your parents, a cousin, whoever, and then one other person you're not related to that you that you trust to keep in the loop. So your pastor, a family member, and a friend. Keep them in the loop on what's going on. There is wisdom in the midst of godly counsel. You need to do that. Don't do this alone. Okay? Just tag in. Send them a text. Send them an email. Call them. You know, don't ever talk about it uh, on church days, okay? <laughs> don't do that on off days, okay? During this time, you need to work on yourself. Work on yourself physically and spiritually. Uh, do everything you can to better yourself, and in helping yourself, you are potentially helping her by helping yourself. So you can't really change her, but work on yourself. And a lot of times when you work and better yourself, it will bring your spouse back. You cannot collapse. She's do she doesn't want to come back to a husband who collapses. But just continue to work on yourself, and we should all be doing that. Continue to work on ourselves. Uh, do sp spiritual warfare for your wife. Uh, the devil's at work. Literal devils are at work. So you can do that. Through prayer, fasting, you can hinder the work of the devil in your wife's life. And then, uh, this may be difficult, but do whatever you can to keep a relationship uh, with your wife. Uh, a face-to-face -face conversation is best. Sometimes, you know, park in the street, wait for her to come, come in and just say, hello, can we talk? If she says no, say, okay, get back in your car and drive away. You know, but then come back a week later, ask her to talk. Be persistent about it, a face-to-face -face conversation. Uh, don't blow up her phone with text. Don't try to call her. Just go face-to-face. -face. Uh, do, what, do whatever you can. And uh, st stay in a public place. Don't go up on the property. Stay in the street. Or uh, maybe try to, try to see her in a grocery store or something. Just say, can we talk? And don't overdo it. Don't get crazy. Don't be pushy about it. Just let her decide, okay? There's things going on in her that maybe you'll never understand. Nobody will ever understand. Uh, doing those things, I can't promise you anything, but uh, doing those things, I've seen God restore marriages with uh, guys who did those things. So, uh, in Jesus' name. But understand this, you got your, your marriage is never going to get back together without God. And it sounds like you've really advanced in ministry. Don't have no setbacks with that. Keep serving your pastor. Keep serving the church as much as you can. Remember this, in the end of time, Jesus said, I, I, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to, to bring a sword. He said, I came to bring a sword. And remember this in Luke 20. He said that in Luke 16. But also remember Luke 21. Jesus says that people would be betrayed by relatives. Luke 16 and, and uh, Luke chapter 21. My people would be betrayed by their relatives. So yeah, th this happens. Uh, you know, there's some people out there uh, that, that believe that all, all divorce is unlawful, all remarriage is unlawful. <laughs> they believe that until one of their kids or grandkids get divorced and remarried. Then, oh, they all of a sudden magically change. No, divorce, remarriage, all of that, it has a place. That's why it's included in the Bible. That's why Jesus talked about it. If you really have a problem with it, read Jeremiah. In three places, God says, I have divorced Israel. 
I've divorced Israel. So God knows what divorce is like. He has a divorce on his record. It's as simple as that. Next, a listener sent us a message, in, and she says, now, this is, um, this, this is tough. Uh, this is tough. Uh, and, and, and the tougher they are, the, the tougher I, I want to try to answer a question to help people out. This listener says, I suspect my pastor is in adultery. Ugh. And I feel I should confront him, but I'm worried about what it will do to, 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 the, to my church. I'm worried about what it'll do to my pastor and really worried about what it'll do to his family. I feel very blessed for being submitted to him. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. I am blessed for being submitted to my pastor and I love my church and I don't want there to be any major problems. Okay. I read over this many times and prayed over this and I know this happens. It's out there. Okay, I, I want to tell this this sister and to any other listeners in this situation. Okay, suspicion is not facts, and you know what? Even if you these things have been revealed to you through the gifts of the Spirit, uh, you got to understand you don't have evidence, you don't have facts. So my advice to you: it is best to not dig. Don't dig around for this, but rather wait. If you're meant to know, then just let it come naturally to you. Why seek out somebody else's sin? But when something falls into your lap, something falls into your knowledge, that is one thing. So with all of these suspicions, all of these hearsay things, don't talk to anybody else about this. Don't whisper about this at all. You're going to cause, uh, mostly cause problems for yourself. God forbid you get kicked out of the church you're, you're pushed out because of things that you said, rumors you started, and the adultery still happens, and the church still goes on, and you're not there uh, to be a part of that church. So what you need to do, just pray. Just pray for the pastor. Just pray. Pray it from all angles. You know, love covers the multitude of sin. You know, say, God, do what you did for, to David. Have grace, have mercy. Cover the sin. That's what you did on the cross. Lord, if there's hypocrisy there, there, nobody refuses to repent, then let, let everything be exposed and let our church not suffer and let those who have sinned uh, uh, be, the ones who, be the ones who bear this reproach and them alone. Okay? That's what I would be doing. That's what I would be praying. It's been a pleasure to be with you again here on Spirit Signal. feels so good to be back. Podcasting is the future, and with the help of your loyal listenership, I will have a future in this. So keep looking up at the sky. That's where your redemption comes from. Those of you that are bald, you'll have hair in heaven. Be watchful, be prayerful, be vigilant. God is coming back on a cloud. This is Justin Gleason, your host of the Spirit Signal Podcast. God bless you for listening. (laughs) 